Hello and welcome to Brainwaves. My name is Jamie Adams. And I'm Ian McAllister and this is Brainwaves episode 136, bringing you the best in tabletop gaming news. These are the headlines for the week of the 29th of January 2024. Funko kicks up a stink. What's in a name? And Ellie Dix has got the mojo. All this and more on this episode of Brainwaves. The last few years, the team at Prospero Hall has produced franchise tie-in board games that have been well-regarded by many across the hobby. Disney Villainous is probably the most well-known title they've produced, but they've also made games based on Jaws, Top Gun, and Alfred Hitchcock's Rear Window, to name but a few. Well, it seems those glory days are coming to an end. Funko, the company responsible for all those weird plastic dolls of your favourite pop culture icons or 21st century beanie babies, were the owners of Prospero Hall until very recently. They've sold the company to Goliath, a veteran family and kids game company that owns the game Rummy Cub. Now this was reported on Board Game Wire where we're drawing some of our information from. Funko interim CEO Mike Lunsford said... The transaction is designed to keep with our previously stated goal of streamlining our business by focusing on our core assets. We intend to use the proceeds from this transaction to reduce our debt. We believe that Goliath's size and scale, as well as their intimate knowledge of the global games and toys market, make them a strong partner for Funko in the board game category. Goliath CEO Jochen Angolad said of the purchase, Funko Games is a highly regarded brand that includes hundreds of board games recently created, as well as a great portfolio from Forrest Prusan. We look forward to bringing the Funko brand and style to the game aisle in new and innovative ways. With Goliath's 43 years of selling games, we believe we're a perfect fit to partner with Funko to develop and distribute games on a global level. We plan to commence marketing several key games around the world immediately. We're especially thrilled about our plan to bring to market a new and exciting game called Bitty Bop Chase, which includes Funko's popular Bitty Bop miniature collectible characters. It was initially thought the employees would also be moving company, but as it quickly transpired, few, if any, of the staff at Prospero Hall were actually being retained in the move. It seems only the name Prospero Hall has been transferred over. This has led to some of those staff finally putting their names on some of the games that Prospero Hall made on Board Game Geek, the internet board game database site. According to a follow-up piece on Board Game Wire, maybe five out of the 30 staff at Prospero Hall have been retained, and most of them in administrative positions. I mean, Goliath, they get the Prospero Hall name. Maybe get some licenses from there as well? Maybe? The right to publish Disney Villainous, maybe? There's, there, there is like a deal between Goliath and Funko to like, like distribute some of Funko's stuff as well. So yeah, yeah, this... part of that's been folded in there. But everyone knows that the designers in Prosper Hall have been doing some fantastic work over the last few years. Oh, stellar and it's those, work. Yeah, just absolutely brilliant. I mean, I've I played Jaws, I've played Top Gun, they're both fantastic. I haven't played Disney Villainous, but it gets a lot of good press. I have a, lot of, I have a couple of friends who have, I think, every expansion for Disney Villainous. That's a lot of expansions. Yeah, it's been very popular. It's had loads and loads of expansions. And to not take that staff on as well seems absolutely unhinged it's just shockingly short-sighted I do hope those people find find a home because yeah don't don't be depressingly cynical but come on guys even i'm shocked at this anyway moving on to, moving from one shocking thing to another shocking thing now on our last show we reported on the sad death of janelle jacques an icon of dungeons and dragons who is responsible for some famous modules including dark tower and caverns of thracia the RPG criticism and advice site The Alexandrian had covered some of Janelle's work in the past, around 2010, and had even done a series of articles on the techniques she used to create dungeons. They were praiseworthy of her methods and coined the term Jaquaying the dungeon to highlight her particular style of multiple path scenario creation. 
In the last few months, Justin Alexander, the main person behind the Alexandrian, has released a book called So You Want to Be a Dungeon Master, which laid out this technique again. However, Justin had changed the term to Xandering the Dungeon and went back and changed this on his site as well. That's X-A-N-D-E-R-I-N-G. The reasoning behind this change seems dubious at best. Xander claims that Janelle herself wanted the change, but actually it seems that she had messaged him about getting her name correct. She is Jaquaze, so the verb should be Jaquazing, not Jaquaying the Dungeon. Janelle was a trans woman and the original post had her dead name on it. She had messaged Justin to ask for it to be removed from the post and her current name to be added instead, with maybe a reference to her original name for clarity. This was in response to Justin posting a piece on dead names and why he didn't feel the need to change them after the fact. From Janelle's reply to that post. Your article has been helpful to a lot of people over the years. Unfortunately, your rationale for dead naming me even after it's been brought to your attention is transphobic behaviour. Here's that request you were looking for. Please use my chosen name, Janelle Jaquaze, when referring to all past, present and future works. If you feel somehow that you need to add clarity, then please use the following form. Janelle Jaquaze writing as Paul Jaquaze. And one last quibble. It should be Jaquazing the dungeon. My surname has an S at the end of it that is voiced when saying the name. So here's an opportunity to get both the first and last name right in your article. Now Justin responds to this and says he'll update the article as soon as he has time. Justin then posted an article in November of 2023 called A Historical Note on Xandering, where he justifies why he's changing Jaquain to Xandering. In that, he uses the message that Janelle sent him as evidence that she wanted the name changed, seemingly ignoring the specificity of the request that she wanted it changed from Jaquain to Jaquazing, not to just anything else. Janelle had made the request for people to call it Jaquazing the Dungeon many times on various places on the internet. In an exchange in his Discord, Justin Alexander said that when the term was changed in the run-up to the book being printed and on the site, he was advised by a lawyer not to use a term based on anyone else's name. Now, we got most of this from a post on the site DIY and Dragons, which lays out the timeline of this and the reasons behind all the justifications, along with links to all the articles and places you can find all the evidence. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes so you can read that for yourselves. Uh, a big thanks to one of our Discord members, Corey, also, who helped us out with some research on this piece. So thanks very much, Corey. Thank you very much, Corey, for this. Uh, yeah, the whole thing like seems really weird to me. Corey brought it to our attention, and I had a good read of it. And it does just seem like Justin has used Janelle's response to change it to whatever he wants, and then there's some flimsy justification about lawyers. It'd be like... I mean, that's 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 obviously your opinion of the fact, Ian. Oh yeah, of course, of course. And people should go and read it themselves. But if I can make this comparison, if I was to go and study Shakespeare, and I'm the first person to look at his work, and I, I don't say it's a McAllisterian tragedy... It's a Shakespearean tragedy because Shakespeare wrote it. It's the author of the piece that you're studying that you name it after, not yourself. That's just, that is just how it is. I don't know how that analogy will hold up, Ian, but you know, okay, we'll go for it for now. You, 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 know, you know what I mean, though? We talk about these things as, as the author of the thing a lot, a lot of the time. It just seems a very strange way to do that. Unless there was a notable change in the Xandering style. Unless the only thing that would change was the name, that's a big problem. Just the name, yeah. Then yeah, that's, to me, from what you've said there, seems problematic, well, to say the least. Do go, do go and read it, because uh, yeah, it's quite, quite an interesting breakdown of the history of it. And it just seems not very good, and it's a real shame, because I, I, I had listened to Justin Alexander on a podcast recently, on the, the Smart Party, interviewed him about the book, and he seemed to have a lot of good advice, and he's kind of tarnished it with this nonsense, which is a real shame. 
Speaking of breakdowns, Toy and Game Magazine site Mojo has published its annual list of their 100 most influential designers in the toy and game market currently. The list is chock full of worthy names with great accomplishments, and I'd urge you all to have a look at them. But we at Brainwaves would like to focus on one name, Ellie Dix. Uh, We've interviewed Ellie on the site previously and reviewed one of her games. In the independent creatives category, her profile notes how much she has accomplished this past year. She signed 10 games to companies including Ginger Fox, GameRight, Mindware, Cheatwell, Corto, LKP and Indie Boards and Cards. 2023 also saw Ellie win a gold at the Independent Toy Awards for Monster Chef, as well as being named one of the inaugural winners of Hasbro's Women Inventors of Play Challenge. Alongside this, Ellie's written an article included in the document about how getting feedback with other game designers can be of such a rewarding experience. It opens with... Game design can be a solitary activity, but if you stay in your own little corner, you're missing out. In my experience, spending time with other game designers can have disproportionately huge impact. The article talks about how it can expand your frame of reference and gain advice on overcoming issues you're having with game design, because very likely you're not the only one who's had those issues. We're keeping it vague here because it is a really good and informative read. And Ellie's had a hell of a good year, so probably a good thing to peruse. Yeah, and Ellie's blog's very useful if you're an up-and-coming designer as well. If you're interested in getting in game design, there's lots of good advice on there, so do go and check it out. And congratulations, Ellie. Yet another feather in her cap. Now on to some more updates. Now, back in episode 131, we covered the legal dispute between Evil Genius, an RPG publisher, and the video streaming service Netflix. Evil Genius said they had secured a deal to produce RPGs based on the, at the time, forthcoming Rebel Moon film from Zack Snyder. The film released in December of 2023. The deal was summarily terminated by Netflix over alleged breaches of contract that seemed to centre on some of the cover art for the game being shown off at the Gamma Trade Show in April of 2023. Evil Genius claimed that the reveals were agreed by Netflix executives and sued Netflix for breach of contract. This messy chapter seems to have been brought to a resolution. A press release sent to several sites, including ourselves, had a joint statement from Netflix and Rebel Moon. It says, The parties are pleased that they were able to amicably resolve this dispute. Netflix thanks Evil Genius for their hard work and professionalism. The press release then goes on to say, We will not be releasing a Rebel Moon game, but stay tuned for more amazing cinematic adventures and an upcoming sci-fi project. And thank you again for your amazing support. If you're a retailer who pre-ordered the Rebel Moon game in advance, be on the lookout for a follow-up email within the next 7-10 to 10 days on how to process your refund. Yeah, glad that's come to an amicable solution. Back in episode 116, we brought you the news that Holy Grail Games, publishers Rallyman GT, amongst other titles, had collapsed and ceased trading. It was one of many companies affected by the rise in prices of shipping and raw materials during the height of the pandemic years. Now it seems that Synapses Games is coming to rescue at least one of the titles in Holy Grail's catalogue, the Rallyman series and its various expansions. Synapses Games are a French publisher that have previously worked with Holy Grail Games to publish the Rallyman franchise. From a press release on the 18th of January 2024, President of Synapses Games, Carl Brière, said... Working on the Rallyman franchise alongside Holy Grail Games in the past gave us a deep understanding and appreciation for this game and its devoted community. We want to take this franchise to the next level and share it with even more gamers around the world. The designer of the series, Jean-Christopher Bouvier, said this in the press release. I'm extremely happy to be handing the reins of the Rallyman franchise over to Synapsis Games, a publisher whose track record has proven them to be dynamic, rigorous and effective. 
Speaking with Carl, I recognize his passion and ambition for Rallyman, which have breathed life back into my biggest dreams. The pursuit of GT's influence internationally, the launch of Dirt, the engagement of the community, all with a desire to maintain the quality and authenticity which have bolstered the Rallyman brand. Unfortunately, the press release is not all good news. When Holy Grail Games went under, they were in the process of delivering the Rallyman Dirt crowdfunding project. Synapsis Games were unable to secure any of the stock that may have been printed for that version of the game, and also don't have access to the backer lists. They will therefore not be honouring that existing campaign. They'll update backers if this changes. So unfortunately, a bit of a sour note on the end of what seemed to be a rather positive press release there. We, we played Rallyman GT at Tabletop Scotland, uh, you and me and Ian Chandler, and I think it was just the three of us. Yeah. And I, I had heard about it. I picked it up and went, oh, can we try this? And I don't know, you had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, it's great. I really enjoyed it. There's a, my first thoughts piece that was on the Substack. It's now up on the main site as I swap, swap over from Substack. So yeah, we read of that. Um, yeah, we, we got a press release. Um, we were trying to get an interview with um, Synapsis Games as well to like talk to them about like the, the situation. Uh, but they're a bit busy at the moment with conventions, that kind of thing. So that wasn't possible, unfortunately. Now on to the news. We first started reporting on the troubles that Mythic Games found itself in back in episode 119 of March 2023. This is a company that funds all its games through Kickstarter, is frequently late delivering, and even more frequently asks for more money from its backers to get items they've already paid for. Well, we're here again. In updates to two Kickstars, Hell and Anastir, Mythic say the same thing. We're going to read you the update from the Hell Kickstarter, but it's basically the same in the other, in the other one. You've been waiting a long time for news about Hell, the last saga. We want to thank you for your patience. In the meantime, as some of you may know, we've been focusing on the delivery of the Six Siege and Darkest Dungeon projects, which has necessitated a difficult request to our backers to contribute to the extra costs. Our team, reduced since our reorganization, has been monopolized on this task, but we've continued to seek solutions for the delivery of Hell. Today, we have to admit that this game, as it was conceived from the beginning, is excessively difficult, if not impossible, to complete with our current means, despite the enormous resources already committed, whether in terms of time, team, or budget. Unless, of course, we were to ask our backers for a financial contribution. A contribution for this game would far exceed what we've been asking for other projects, knowing that backers would also have to wait a long time to receive it. This did not seem like an acceptable solution to us. But all is not doom and gloom. During this period of study and reflection, we found another publisher who was really excited about this IP. This other publisher, who will make their own announcement, will take over the IP and develop it using their own proven methods. The exact announcement will be made very soon. We know that our backers will have the opportunity to receive a copy of the new Hell base game to be produced. Given the quality of the games produced by this publisher, their experience and high standards, we are not only reassured, but certain that this new version of Hell will live up to your expectations. We'll post another update with more important details soon. This was then quickly followed by an update from publisher Cool Mini or Not, who have a track record of delivering huge miniature-laden Kickstarters. From the Cool Mini or Not update. Regrettably, as Mythic Games announced, they will no longer be able to deliver their Kickstarter campaigns for Hell, The Last Saga, and Anastir. As you are a backer of these campaigns, we understand that this is disappointing. Upon careful evaluation of both titles, we have concluded that neither Hell, The Last Saga, nor Anastir are currently ready for publication in their current state, and will require substantial effort to complete them. We want to assure you that we are committed to delivering quality gaming experiences. 
We appreciate your understanding and support during our development. Cool Mini or Not goes on to lay out what this will mean for backers of the two projects. The long and short of it is that Cool Mini or Not will not be sending out copies of their versions of these games to backers for absolutely free. Those backers who choose to will be able to get a copy of the game by only paying shipping and VAT, but they will have to pay that again. Cool Mini or Not also implied quite heavily in their piece that the games need, still needed quite extensive playtesting. Hell funded in May 2020 and was meant to deliver in June 2021. It raised $2,215,842. Anastir funded in May 2022 and was meant to deliver in July of 2023. It raised $1,079,826. Thanks very much to Adam Richards from Punchboard for bringing this next step in the Mythic Saga to our attention. Um, Ian, who is there's somebody that you know that did the Darkest Dungeons Kickstarter, didn't Yeah, my, my, my friend Ian Galloway. Uh, but oh, sorry, Ian. Darkest okay. Dungeon Kickstarter. Darkest Dungeon Kickstarter, and he does have some of that. Uh, I wrote a first thoughts piece up on that that you can find on the site. Uh, I thought it made some very odd decisions about how it adapted that particular computer game to a board game place, and also some of the graphic design that's not great. But I mean, we've said multiple times over the last year that Mythic looked like a company in trouble. Now they're selling off their IPs to bigger companies to try and finish games. And by the sounds of it, these games just haven't really been worked on very much. For hell to be in a state where Coolman or not can't just come in and finish it off and then send it out to backers, that seems incredible. For a game that's now three years overdue, four years from it being kickstarted, that's, yeah. Stop giving Mythic your money. Because if they don't collapse in, the, in this year, I'll be very, very surprised. Quite. Oh, Jamie, you can get your put your awards back hat back on. Yay! It's been a while since I've done one of these. Yeah, the awards do keep rolling on, don't they? This time it's the turn of digital board game site Board Game Arena to dole out the plaudits. These awards had five categories: best casual game, best regular game, best hardcore game, best two-player game, and of course, best forest game. Best casual game was won by Ticket to Ride Europe. Heat won best regular game. Best Hardcore Game was won by Ark Nova. Sky Team won Best Two-Player Game. And Earth won Best Forest Game. The last category was chosen by fans of the site. I mean, it's a good, good that a site like BGA is getting in on awards. I, I mean, there is a lot of awards. It is a great way to play games remotely with, you know, friends and celebrates the work of the coders who helps bring those games to life because say what you like about Board Game Arena, and we will. They have the board, the mechanics built into the coding, so you know what you're doing. It will play, help you play the game. But some of, some of the mods are better than others, so it's it's thanks to the coders there that like make make one mod, but like feel a bit smoother than another one as well. So yeah, I really so, like BJ. Uh, how many it. of them have we played? I have played Ticket to Ride Europe and like half a game of Arc Nova. I have played Ticket to Ride Europe. That's it. I've not cool. played others. So we should get on to Borg and Arena later on. And, and we continue by the giant brain and brainwaves being that gaming site that you listen to and go, man, they haven't played any of the popular games right now, have they? And we go, <laughs> no. And tell you what I did play, though. Game about a jazz band. Mm-hmm. 
anyway, we'd just like to sum up some jobs, opportunities, events out there. We don't have anything specific at the moment. Just keep an eye on the Facebook group Tabletop Jobs that has jobs all over the world, mostly America, but there's been more European and UK ones of recent. So keep an eye out there. And a little shout out to all our patrons. Thank you so much for continuing to support the cast, especially our executive producers, Kevin Bertram, James Naylor, and Sean Newman. Kevin Bertram's from Fort Circle Games, James Naylor from Naylor Games, and Sean Newman is from the Gamelot team. Thank you so much for continuing to support us at the executive producer level. Uh, you can join them for just $1 a month. There's various other ways to support us on the site, uh, including getting dice from Fanroll and shirts from Sir Meeple. So do go and check those things out. Jamie, the spice must flow. No, the dice must roll. Experience hey. life's mysteries through one of the greatest tales of contemporary sci-fi with the ultimate game for Dune fans. Yeah. That's uh, right, Gale Force, Monopoly. Gale Force 9 Dune. Oh, no, not that. Okay. Dune Monopoly. I don't know what you were thinking of. Gale Force 9 Dune. I've never heard of it, mate. Never. Don't have a copy on my shelf. No, don't. I've never even played a full game. Actually, I haven't played a full game. I've only played like a third of the actual game. We did have a lot of fun. Um, yeah, Dune Monopoly, folks. Instead of property, it's characters and factions from from the Duneiverse. I'll be honest, I threw up a little bit in my mouth as I wrote it, and I hate it even more as I say it. So I'm going to say it once, and then we'll never mention it again. Sorry, you don't own the characters and factions. Uh, it's you have influence with them, and you can place leverage on them, which eventually turns into the hotel equivalent, loyalty. Yep, from the scarred warrior bard Gurney Halleck all the way to the Padishah Emperor Shaddam IV. Past the beast Rabban Harkonnen, the Bene Gesserit Sisterhood, and the Kwisatz Haderach Paul Muad'Dib Atreides himself, also known as Usul. You can play as Muad'Dib, the kangaroo mouse, uh, or a ducal signet ring, or indeed a Fremen Christknife. And you draw politics and fate cards. And I mean, the money has at least some dune theming to it, but... Honestly, I kind of, I kind of like putting influence on it and turning into loyalty as the equivalent of houses and hotels. That's quite funny. It's that's kind, quite, of, that's kind of quite smart in a weird way. Esque element to it. Yeah. But it's, I mean, yeah. I was, I was going to say if you're going to, if you're going to say any theming is dry, this one's a bit of an easy shot, but it's dry. I mean, it is in a desert. That's 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 the that's the joke, Ian. What? Oh, I give up. I mean, calling it the ultimate game for Dune fans is really like, <laughs> yeah, not that there's been any other Dune games ever. Ian, it's the ultimate game for Dune fans. Why would USAopoly lie? I have no idea. Anyway, thanks very much for listening, folks. If you like what you've listened to, then the best way to help us out is to share the podcast and drop us a review and rating on iTunes. Uh, you can follow Oliver, who couldn't be with us this week, at tabletopgamesblog.com. Uh, you can come and join us on our Discord. There'll be an invite in the show notes. Uh, we're on Blue Sky these days. Uh, Instagram and Facebook will put links to all that in our show notes. Podcast and writing is on thegiantbrain.co.uk. And you can email us about anything in the show or any stories you'd like us to cover. Your anonymity is guaranteed if you'd like to talk to us anonymously. Uh, it's giantbrainuk at gmail.com. We'll see you in a couple of weeks' time. Bye for now. Bye bye.